What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited you joined me today because we have another special guest joining us to share their wisdom and their journey. Today, we have on the show Jody Grunden. Jody is the co-founder of Summit CPA Group, a trailblazing firm that pioneered fully distributed operations and became the top provider of virtual CFO services in North America. In 2022, Summit joined forces with Anders CPAs and advisors rebranding as Summit Virtual CFO by Anders. This merger brings numerous advantages to Anders, aligning with Jody's vision of changing the way people think about accounting. And I can't wait because you know what? We all have some interesting views on accounting and he's going to help us with that today and share his wisdom with us. So let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Jody, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, uh, Michael, for having me. Absolutely. Excited to have you here and glean some of that wisdom and, <laughs> uh, and some of that journey. I'm sure it's going to help us all. So we've got to start with, you saw the intro, and I always love to kind of put people on the spot. What do you think choreography has meant to you and your business journey? Oh, geez. Uh, choreography. So I'm thinking about choreography, like talking about dancers typically and yeah. uh, how they, uh, you know, basically you know, the choreographer creates the dance moves, the, the plays, the, the musicals, that sort of thing. And I would say, you know, if, if you look at with the virtual CFO that we, we put together, you know, 10 years, 20 years ago, it's kind of a similar type of thing, but just with businesses. And so we're we're helping businesses and helping them map out the plan and the forecasting side, and really kind of uh, you know help them take the next level. We don't do the work. We're we're not we're not, we're not the dancers, uh, the business owners, are the dancers. But we give them that financial acumen that enables them to make those informed decisions. I love that. That is awesome. Well, cool. So we've got to go back to the beginning and how you got started to get to that point, because that's some cool stuff. And we're going to dig into that as we get in. But I want to hear the winding road, the journey, the ups and the downs and hear about what got you started in that. And how the heck did you get here? Oh, geez. What, the long version or the short version? Oh, well, you choose. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, basically, I, I started out in public accounting and I thought that was uh, what I wanted to do in my life. I worked for a pretty large accounting firm and realized pretty quickly that uh, the hours, it, it just wasn't it just wasn't made for me. It wasn't conducive to a family. And so I thought, well, heck, uh, now I've got this CPA license. Let me uh, try this corporate world. And I joined a $250 million corporation, great company, dove right in as you know, a tax analyst and basically well, actually did all the taxes and did all the the money movement for this you know multi-million dollar company and loved it for the first couple of years then after a while it just became like groundhog day it was like the same thing over and over and i thought wow what did i do to myself here i didn't like public <laughs> accounting you know i didn't like the corporate world either so what, what what did i do did i get the wrong wrong thing you know wrong wrong degree and i thought you know what you know the entrepreneur kind of came out and i got this opportunity to run an office 
uh, for a regional firm and, and try to kind of a little bit of my own, a lot of my own stuff and, and quickly realized that uh, I am definitely not a uh, hireable person. So I thought, well, let me start on my own venture here. And so I, about a year into it, I thought, you know, hey, let's start with my own venture. Let's create something a lot different than a traditional public accounting firm. Because I, I really enjoyed public accounting. It was just the hours killed me and, and the family life. And here I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a coach for my kids. I coached hockey, coached both my daughter and my son throughout from four years old all the way through to junior high. And then they kind of let, let, let it go from there uh, in, in some way, right? And so it was one of those things that hockey's during tax season for accountants. And, you know, it's like, how can I possibly ask somebody to work a bazillion hours and here I'm taking off early at three o'clock to go to the ice rink type of thing. And so um, I, you know, I wanted to change, you know, really the way that people thought about accounting and there's a lot of different methods and, and thinking, you know, through that, you know, what, what our team thought about accounting. I wanted to think what the industry itself thought, what clients thought. And, and, and I started off thinking that's a great idea. And then I figured out I've got to make some money. And so I dove right in and did what everybody else did. You know, I did the, traditional tax and audit work, not, not audit, but tax and accounting and write up and all that kind of stuff. And um, I build by the hour, just like all accountants did, you know, and, and some of them still do, actually, actually a lot of them still do. And then I realized that, you know what, this is, this is the same thing that I got into before is the public accounting, the corporate, now I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing. So I'm like, how can we make, how can we change? And how can we actually make a difference for these companies that we're actually working with now? and also do it in a way that our team isn't working a lot of hours throughout the year and so forth and so we changed our dress code right away we were not wearing suits anymore we're you know dressing down we're you know which back then that was a complete mortal sin right <laughs> you know, 20 years ago you had to have suits and ties and all that kind of stuff right. and um you know we, we we changed the way that we, we actually gave everybody fridays off and we you know, said, hey, we, here's what you need to work on and, and really kind of created this roadmap. Um, and we, we took some of our really great clients, and we converted them into what we called virtual CFO services. And, you know, what, what did that mean back then? We just kind of made it up. Right. We didn't know, you know, there wasn't anything like it out there that we could tell, you know, because sure. the internet wasn't going great. And, you know, so it's not like you could search everywhere. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to sit alongside the owner of a business and really kind of help them and guide them, you know, like, like you had mentioned before, the, the choreography. With, we wanted to help them, you know, guide them through the journey and, and be, be that financial acumen so they're not just, you know, on a whim making bad decisions. And so we started this route and we thought, hey, this is a great idea. How can we do this without charging hourly? And so we came up with this subscription-based billing model, which was basically solved it. And it, we uh, set a flat fee and uh, based on different you know metrics and stuff that we put together and then we charge uh, basically every week same dollar amount every week and clients loved it you know it was like wow no more of these bills that i'm getting a surprise you know that you know the, the worst thing you can do is give a client all this great stuff and then they get a bill and they never call you back again you know that type of thing and so we, we got rid of that system again people you know, around the world said you're gonna fail this is not gonna work for you <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, 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 it just gained momentum. The, the, nice, the, the nice thing about it is it, it, it took away all of our accounts receivable. You know, people didn't owe us money anymore because we got money right up front. And we right. actually got money prior to even starting the work. And so it, it was really nice. And what we did is we focused on the initially cash flow forecasting where we actually met with them and, and looked over the next 13 weeks and kind of guided them. And here are the inflows and outflows. And here's what your cash position is going to look like every single week going on and and then we can kind of guide the discussion you know hey 
you know, it looks like you're going to be short in three weeks or, you know, hey, it looks like you're cash heavy throughout the entire time. Everything's lo looking great. And we can really kind of help them make those and think about the actions that they're taking now. And, um, you know, they, they loved it. You know, clients were like, this is great. Never had this before. Of course, all big companies have had it. Heck, I stole it from the company I worked for before, right? <laughs> you know, that's what I did for them, you know? It's like, well, so I, I but, but I brought that down to a company that's a million dollars. And, and a lot of times it was below a million dollars at that point. Now it's a million dollars, a $2 million company, three and so forth. And, and uh, you know, with that, it was really nice because they really enjoyed coming to the meetings. It wasn't one of those things that, they're like, oh, I got to talk to my accountant, and then they glass over, and they're doing other things, and, and it, it was really nice and informative, engaging meeting, and we really walked out of that with a, with a plan, hey, here's what's going to happen, and, and they couldn't wait really to come back, and they, so much so that they said, you know, hey, can we meet more often? And I'm like, well, of course we can, and and so uh, we thought, well, hey, let's meet weekly, and so we, we, we changed our, our structure a little bit, and we started meeting with clients on a weekly basis, uh, sitting alongside them in their leadership meetings, you know, guiding them on the strategy and all that kind of stuff and really being part of the decision making process, which is really cool because I enjoyed that part of it in the corporate world. That was the funnest part about it. And now I'm bringing it in and now I'm doing it for, for 10 companies. And it was like or 15 companies like this is this is neat. And, uh, you know, so it, it was just one of those progressive things that it kind of morphed into what we do today is meet with them four to six times a, you know, a month, meet with them, you know, maybe we also might meet with them another time each week for, for cash flow. And we talk about pipeline and revenue record, all, all these different things that, again, they would not have that ability at, with a, at a small, at a, at a, with a smaller scale there. And uh, so we, we continued on that process. And, and this virtual CFO thing was great. We were picking up four, maybe five clients a year, high-fiving every time we did it. And uh, we realized pretty quickly that, hey, this isn't going to scale. <laughs> you know, we, right. can't, we, we can't do this. And, and again, the internet wasn't really going strong. So we were doing it face-to-face -face a lot of times, driving right. out. It was, just, it was just like, oh, this, we got to figure this out. You know, I, <laughs> I don't want to be doing this. You know, the idea is growing a business bigger than me, not, uh, not, not being part of the business type of thing. And, and so we, we, we really figured all these different ideas out. And, and uh, it, it, it was it was probably, I would say probably until about 2009-ish that we really started kind of figuring out the pricing and how to make it work. So it took us a long time. And here we're an accounting firm. You know, this should be like our bread and butter, right? <laughs> this is something we should be great at. And it was like we're doing it ourselves. It was like, huh, we, we always underestimated how much time it was going to take. And we always underestimated how much people were willing to pay for it. And so it was, it was just a kind of a combination of both that was really, you know, hindering us. And it wasn't until... We uh, started. We actually started focusing on a vertical, and outside of the CFO vertical that we were already in, but focusing on an industry vertical that we really saw revenue just like oh man, it just like picked up like a hockey stick. You know, it was really, really high. And you know, we we uh, went from you know four to six a year to we picked up eleven in one month, seven the next month. It was just like boom, boom, boom. And it was like oh no. Now we got our new set of problems here. You know, a new set of problems is how do we staff this? Because I sure can't do it all. Don't right. want to do it all. You know, and it's like, and so it was one of those things that it just happened at the same time uh, we decided to go fully remote and, and get rid of the office, uh, which that's a story in all, all in itself. But we decided to get rid of the office 10 years ago. And, and uh, with that, um, wow, the big blessing about it was is that Forbes wrote an article uh, that appeared in um, in uh, you know in Forbes and, and it, it listed the top 125 or 150 uh, firms nationwide that have gone remote. You know this is not just financial firm. We're the only financial firm. This is 
companies, period. And it was like, wow, this is kind of neat. And, and what, but what it did, it, we got instant resumes. We had about 2,000 resumes within about a, oh, it was like maybe a day. <laughs> it wow. was unreal. Yeah, I was actually in a client meeting. It was kind of funny. I was in a client meeting, and, and I, we always have a, another person in the client meeting with us. And so the two of us are talking back and forth. Then all of a sudden, my email just was like, ding, 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 ding. It was every like second and a half, a new resume popped up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was so distracting. Client's like, hey, do you got to take care of that? I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I think I'm getting spammed. And my, my employee's like, hey, do I have anything to worry about? I'm like, no, 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 not at all. And I uh, found out that it was that article and it was, they were all original emails. And so it was one of those things that we decided to go remote, get rid of the office at the same time. Uh, it, was, it was something nobody was doing, obviously. It was something that was, you know, again, there was only 100 plus companies in the world doing it. And uh, it really opened up the avenue of, hey, here's how we can scale vertical. We got this vertical. Here's how we can scale now with employees because we're remote. We can hire anywhere now. And uh, how are we going to do it? Don't know. We don't, how, how are you going to hire people out in California when you're living in Indiana? Well, the Forbes did it. It blew up our website and, and basically all these different you know, people are applying for jobs. And it allowed us to really dig in and really learn, hey, we can definitely scale this thing and really grow it. And boy, from 2000, probably 10 and all the way through until we merged with Anders in 2020, uh, we doubled our revenue every three years. It was like a constant double, double, double high growth. And the nice thing about it, we were able to figure out our profit margins because before we were picking up just about everybody that we tried to, anybody that called us, yeah, yeah we can definitely do it. We we're probably 80% close ratio on all of our clients at that time. We thought that was a great thing. And actually, yeah. that's not a great thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we had to be more selective. And, and when we started increasing our prices, you know, to, to, you know maybe it was $30,000 at the time. No one's going to do 30. And then we, no, we still had 80% close ratio. Then it was like, well, we got we to gotta slow this down. 50,000 you know, 50, engagement, 60, 70, all up to about $90,000. And we started actually shrinking our close rate to about 30 or 40%. Then we think, oh, now we can kind of take a breath and, uh, you know, and actually start working with these clients and working with a fewer amount of clients and spending more time with them. And, and that was uh, that was golden. And uh, it really kind of shaped it really kind of helped us shape things through uh, the, the entire process. And so, you know, it, it was definitely kudos on that journey through that process there. But then, you know, things really didn't, you know, it, it seems like every time you get into a a rhythm you think oh this is great you know mother nature throws you another freaking roadblock right or a big boulder out there for you and uh, that's that's exactly what happened we hit the pandemic and you know here we are we're we're humming along and sales kept humming along no problem there we kept picking clients up um we kept picking employees up which was great and we thought oh this is great you know we didn't you know this didn't impact us at all or like this is a great thing not 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 the pandemic but the fact that we you know, basically we're able to, to to work around such a big issue what was we thought was was really really solid so much so that we were able to give clients you know time off you know you know because again it's a subscription-based billing model right and so it's like hey we're going to halt your fees for 15 weeks or whatever lie to get caught back up and it was really it was a cool cool process we were able to do that and really help clients out but the one thing we didn't realize it was like oh geez um, after the pandemic here we're fully remote uh, we used to go to our retreats once a year. During that whole period of time, we weren't able to go to a team retreat. We were able, we weren't able to connect. And um, we had everybody that we hired, probably about four months before that and throughout that entire pandemic, um, left the firm. You know, right after the pan, right after about a year or so later, it was like, 
it was like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what, what did we, what happened? And they were getting poached by people all over the place. Sometimes it was by a little dollar amount, but sometimes it was by a lot. And, and because, you know, we, we, we were a company that everybody knew that had been doing this for so long. Why not, why not poach people from us or nationwide, California, New York, it was pretty easy, easy pickings type of thing. And, and so we thought, oh, now, now what are we going to do? Cause that's a big, huge, like, uh oh, you know, we've got a big, huge danger alert here. And so we had to kind of figure it out. And so we started changing the way that we paid our employees. Wow. Um, and, and it worked out really well. We, we created a base structure and then a monthly incentive comp. Because what we did is we took, basically, we took all the different surveys we looked at. We took, you know, you see them all over the internet, what people pay. We took the bottom and the high. And we said, you know what? We're going to pay everybody in the base and the middle. But we're going to give you the opportunity to actually achieve that high, no matter how much experience you have. And um, it was like, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, we're going to base it on the volume of book business that you're actually managing. So if you're, if we, if if I'm two years out of college or five years, it doesn't make any difference. If I'm managing, let's say, this eight hundred thousand dollar book, and you've got twenty years of experience, you're managing the same book. Why are we paying you differently? Let's pay you the exact same amount. And so it, it allowed that it allowed people to really be autonomous, allowed them to kind of pick and choose how much they wanted to make. But what it what it did also, which was really cool. It allowed them to pick and choose how much time they wanted to work or how much effort they wanted to put in, you know, to a certain point. Because we told everybody, hey, here's your minimum based on your salary. Here's what your minimum is. If you want to work more than that, great. If you don't, that's fine, too. Uh, but you'll be compensated and you'll be compensated every single month based on it. And so it was like, wow, this is kind of a neat, neat thing. And they loved it. It, it just gave them the autonomy to do whatever. If, you, if, you want, if I want to be a coach and coach hockey and not worry about, you know, you know certain things, I can re- rearrange my count, my, my schedule in order to manage that and not feel guilty or have that guilt put on me for not having to, to do that extra stuff. And so, you know, it, it was just one thing after another. It was like, wow, we got this new obstacle. Here, here's the solution. And man, it's like reading a lot of books and doing a lot of research and staying up late at night trying to figure it out. But we did. And uh, it, it brought us to the opportunity to uh, merge with a uh, top 100 accounting firm in uh, 2022 which we weren't even looking for at the time and it's just one of those deals that wow this is a great opportunity because they came to us and said hey keep your team intact we want we want you to do exactly what you're doing we're, we were at that point 10 million dollars in revenue high profit margin uh, and it was and we had a great team you know great uh you know brand our brand was solid and they said you know hey let's don't don't do anything different let's keep you together as a unit and i want you to go from 10 million the 50 million and we're going to, we're going to be the backbone for you. Are you, are you willing to do that? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. You know, it, it's like, I, I, that was, cause you know, I was to the point where kind of just guessing, you know, Hey, what's my next thing? You know, what, what right. when do I want to eventually sell? Cause all entrepreneurs eventually want to sell. Right. And so when do I want to eventually sell? Do I, you know, what am I going to do? And, you know, I was getting to that $5 million mark and I thought, you know, 5 million is the key. I'm going to sell there. Then I got the, the seven, no, seven's the key. Then it was like, no, 10's the key. Then I'm like, well, shoot, now I think 20 is the key and that's going to happen in three years anyway. So, and then they came to me and said, hey, we'll do it in 50 and let's make the same amount of money. So you're, you're not out money, but let's grow together and really kind of make this and, and really snowball it. And it was a great opportunity. We uh, did the merger, uh, had really nobody, no casualties of war, meaning, you know, everybody stayed intact on the team. Wow. Um, you know, the, 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 co- the, the two, two different companies were great. In, in the regard, they have very similar values, and it, it just worked out really, really well. And so happy we did it. And and now that uh, 
my next venture is, you know, hey, let's let's take this thing. I'm a partner in the firm now. Let's take this thing and let's let's build it to that fifty million dollar mark and keeping that uh, great employee satisfaction and client happiness and you know all that kind of thing. So that's that's kind of my new venture. Wow, I love that story. Holy cow! Hey, so many people I think think a lot about this idea of building from scratch and, and doing the thing that they know their art and they are afraid to make that move. And mm-hmm. I just, I love, especially the beginning of your, of your story, just that you were like, okay, I, I want to do what I love, which is partially stuff in the business, but also, you know, being with your family. And I mm-hmm. think so many entrepreneurs, business owners, they want to do that and sometimes they don't they don't actually go and create that so i love that you created it and i love that you you put that together and that's that's super inspiring i have a ton of questions uh i'll try to keep them i'll keep let's do it i'll keep an arrow for you uh one that i'd like to to dig into is you said that you wanted to change how people thought about accounting Mm -hmm. and I talk to a lot of people and accounting is almost always one of those things that comes up that they're like, Oh, I gotta go do the accounting for my business or, Oh, I have to go talk to my accountant and get this sorted out. And it's always this like heavy weight. Uh, and, and I almost feel like it's also become a blanket statement that not everybody really actually knows what it means. Mm -hmm. So, I want to dig into that just a little bit and and talk about what things you were changing about what people thought about accounting and mm-hmm. what you did to change them and what it actually is now that you've mm-hmm. had your influence on it. Oh yeah, for sure. Because when I worked in the corporate world, it was like we got these financial statements usually a couple months behind, and we got it. The accountants were so excited about it, they gave it to us. We looked at it and we put it in the drawer. <laughs> and rinse, repeat. Right? It was like. We, we, it was just old information, not good, nothing we could really act upon, that sort of thing. And so then when I started the, the firm up, it was like, okay, so, you know, it was, it was you know, you had, you had to do whatever, right? When you first start a business, you're working a ton of time and hours and all, all that kind of stuff, really grabbing anything you can. And with that, it was like, okay, well, we got these taxes and we're spending all this time on these taxes, getting them. And they just cared about what, well, how much money they got back or how much money they paid, you know, that type of thing. or or the the net income when we put together the financials it was like they didn't even not know how to read it and so it was just more of a it was more of a, a chore for them because they didn't know anything about business anyways they just thought they had to do it they didn't know why uh, and a lot of times they didn't even show up for these meetings it was like you'd go to a meeting and they they had 10 different reasons why they couldn't meet with you and at that time i drove to the client <laughs> no, so that you know you drive it you know 45 minutes and they're not even there. It's like, seriously, <laughs> all this work and effort I put forth and they're not there. And, and so we had to figure out, Hey, what, what can we do to really make this enjoyable for clients? And that's when we thought, you know, Hey, let's, let's not talk about the financials. Well, first of all, let's get them done quickly. Let's get them done within the first 10 days of the month. So we've got actionable things we can actually talk about. And then let's really kind of turn it on its, on its top. And let's talk about how those numbers really impact going forward, you know, and, and something they could be actionable with. And, and let's not talk numbers. Let's talk about non-financial stuff. You know, like, you know, the perfect example I, I use, uh, and I use it a lot, is that we, 
we, I, I've got this, um, you know, my, my, my son played baseball and played baseball through high school and had this great coach, a great baseball academy. And now we started doing their stuff for them. You know, we started helping them out and really helping them develop that business acumen. And, and it, when it started off, it was like, hey, I just want to do this and this and this. Like the client understood exactly what he wanted. In reality, he had no idea what he needed. And so we're like, well, hey, let's do this instead. And so what, what we did is let's take this next year and let's build out what you're going to do now based on the end of the year. And he's like, well, we, how are we going to do that? And so we, I broke it out. It's like, well, how many teams do you have? How many, how many teams do you have in your organization? How many people per team? What, what are the memberships per that? Are you going to be doing you know, lessons with these people? How many lessons? What percentage are you going to do lessons with? And then we, we, we just broke everything out all the way down to snaps. Do you have a snack, a vending machine that you're going to make money on? How much, how much, how much revenue are you going to make from that? And really kind of broke it out month by month by month based on non-financial stuff. And it was like the light bulbs are starting to go off. And it was like, oh, wow, this is kind of neat. And, and, and then we, we then put down all the, the direct costs involved, which is fairly simple for him. It was, you know, the, the people at the, you know, the front and doing the lessons, you know, we, we kind of broke that out for him. And then we just threw in the administrative and the facility marketing costs based on when they typically hit, not spreading them out equally throughout the year, but when they actually hit. And then it came out to, hey, here's the, the net income you're going to make, which again, net income, people have no idea what that even means. So you flip it over and say, okay, here's the cash you started with at the beginning of the year. Here's how much cash you're going to at the end of the year if you don't take any money out. And it was like, wow, um, okay. And, and the first time we did it, he's like, well, that's not a ton of money. And I go, well, have you been taking a lot of money out in the prior years? Well, no. I go, well. Let's change things around a little bit. Okay, so then we started changing around saying, you know, hey, what? Let's add a, let's add, you think you could probably pick up one or two more teams? Yep, definitely do that. Okay, two more teams. You think you could probably increase your, your membership fee from, you know, $200 to $250? Oh, no problem. That, yeah, we haven't increased memberships in a long time. So we're, I'm doing all these right, right in front of him, and boom, now all of a sudden he sees this, okay, let's take a look at it. He sees cash going up significantly. And he's like, wow, okay, well, that's cool. And, and so now he, he's actually getting a good picture on how things are happening in his business. And, and what a lot of accountants do, they because a lot of accounts can do that, right? Uh, but a lot of accounts do is they, they don't follow through. And so what I mean by that is we ended the meeting, high five, this is great. Now life hit, boom. What happened, what happened this last month? We took a look at our forecast in this next meeting. And we're like, oh, geez, why did the cash go down so much? Well, it's because this month impacted that so much that it went down. So now what are we going to do? And so now our, our, our target's changing here. And so he's, so now it becomes a, a game of Sim, you know, SimCity or whatever. You're actually kind of looking at and, and designing what's happening throughout that entire year. And clients just started loving coming to these meetings because it was, we were talking about things they could actually control. They right. can't control a 10% increase in revenue. No idea how to do that. Right. I don't have any idea how to do that, but they can control how many new clients are coming in how much we're getting paid, when they're getting paid, and all that kind of stuff. And it was really nice because then clients could come in and actually see what their tax position was, which they'd never had that ex exposure before too. You know, it's like, hey, you know, hey, you're in April and you're saying, oh, by the way, here's how much taxes you're gonna owe next April. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, if you get these numbers, here's what it's gonna be. And then you adjust it every time and they could see their tax position going up and down. And so when it became April, it was nice because we weren't the, like when we did the return, it wasn't like, you know, okay, well, where is it gonna end up? It's like. Well, it ended up exactly where we told them it was going to end up. And they're happy. They put the money aside and it made it just a, such a great uh, relationship and conversation to where 
very, very, very rarely, I would say, if any clients ever miss meetings and they, they do um, and enjoy coming to them because it's, it's something they, you know, they, they basically now have control of their business. No doubt. So you talk about a virtual CFO and you've kind of explained a bit of, of how you change, how you have changed people's view on accounting. And I, I really appreciate it so much because we didn't all go to school for that. And we Ooh. didn't all fall in love with that. I know, I think originally my first accounting class in college, I think I failed. Yeah. I yeah. Take it again, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the concept of a virtual CFO, you know, mm -hmm. I think I'd like to just ask when, for those listening, when do they know that a, that a virtual CFO is needed, mm -hmm. right? When do, when do they, like, what's, what are some of the key points sort of the key indicators that they're like, mm -hmm. okay, I really do need to have a virtual CFO and how can a virtual CFO actually help me? Why would they not just get somebody to come in the house? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So when do they need a virtual CFO? Well, they need it from the very beginning, obviously, but they can't afford it. And they've got to actually figure that out themselves. They've got to be able to figure out how their business runs and, and go through the lumps and the pain points as they go through. And, and usually that happens between that million, that $0 mark to the million dollar mark is where they, they're like, okay, I, I'm ready to go on and do something different, meaning do something I'm better at in my business than actually doing the day-to-day -day stuff or doing things that I don't enjoy or are not good at. And so the million dollar mark is typically when, when we see clients or prospects give us a call, um, maybe a million, million and a half, somewhere in that ballpark. We, we, we don't typically want to hire people below that because we will be their biggest expense. You know, I just told how much we, we charge a lot more than, you know, we charge what, you know, not, not as much of what a CFO would cost, but we charge a significant amount of money and we don't want to be that, we don't want to be that expense, all, you know, for, it's just not fair to them. And uh, so with that, we typically see about $3 million mark is where they start developing their leadership team. Uh, they're, they're getting in, pulling themselves out, the $5 million mark, definitely. And so I'd say about the three millions when they, re when they really start seeing uh, that happen and, and they see the need for it. Uh, the nice thing about it is we're, sig we're significantly cheaper than what a CFO would cost, which is nice. You're going to spend, you know, a good two to $300,000 on a good CFO and we're going to our, our average our average fee is gonna be about ninety thousand dollars. So that kind of gives you an idea, you know what that would be. Right. Um, but with that, um, they also have to determine, you know, hey, do you have some somebody doing the accounting below us? You know, do you have somebody paying the bills and receivables and so forth? And you usually have that or or groom that up within it. And so the nice thing about it is we can sit over over top of that that individual and really, you know, oversee that person. Or we could be that person if they didn't have that in place. And so it really depends on the maturity of the business and who's really doing the work. If they if they've had that same person all the time, or if they're that person left and they need to replace it, uh, depend. You know, it really kind of gives an idea of what we would actually go into. Because about a third of our clients, we do the the transactional stuff. You know, we'll do the payroll administration and expense and and you know spend management stuff and you know all that kind of stuff for about a third of our clients. But the majority of our clients come to us already have somebody like that in place, and we're just simply helping out with the forecasting, KPIs, dashboarding bank, you know, management, relationship management, profit sharing, all that kind of stuff is held there. So I think that kind of gives you an idea there on, on the range. When you get to that $20 million and above, you know, we, we start, it starts getting to a point where they could potentially hire somebody in staff and they could really kind of generate it. And, and, and we, we typically see clients, you know, I would say probably when it gets actually closer, because when you get to that 20 million, you're, 
30 million really quick and you're at 50 million even quicker for a lot of clients and and we we, we um we see we see that we actually become a what we call fp analyst alongside a cfo that they might be bringing in so a lot of times they'll bring in a junior cfo because they're they're shell-shocked how much that a good cfo is going to cost and so we're we sit alongside that individual and kind of groom them and help them through the process to you know 70 million dollars and up until eventually it's not needed anymore but you know the, the nice thing about having a virtual cfo it's, it's you've got a team underneath you know, it's not just one person it's a, right. a team of individuals helping you versus that that one person you're going to have in house right and you're getting massive leverage mm -hmm. you know? and like you said with with that team you're not just relying on the one person but uh but getting the insight from many. So that increases the uh, possibility that the advice is even more sound than from one person. Yeah, oh, exactly. And especially if you, if you niche into a specific vertical, sure. now you've got multiple CFOs working in the same vertical because our CFOs meet all the time on a regular weekly basis, sharing ideas, what happened, what didn't happen, you know, with the client base. And they do that so that they can learn from each other and provide better advice. And it, it works out really, really well. Uh, niching, I would say, is probably one of the biggest things that we've ever done. Not only on the vertical side, on the uh, on the on the service line side, but on the industry side, um, it, it it was a game changer for us and for our clients. I love that. Gosh, you know, this is such an important topic and and so valuable for our listeners to dig in. Uh, share with us how people can connect to you and find out more about your services and what you've done obviously you are the leader in the industry for virtual cfos and and it's thrown around a lot these days you clearly were on the mm -hmm. forefront of making it happen and making it come to life and how cool is that i i mean it's a it's a i hope it's a little flattering that everybody's tried to copy it and and do it now seems mm -hmm. like more normal thing however coming to somebody that that really pioneered the process is really cool so how can they connect with you and and get in touch with what you're doing yeah so we we've shared all of our information out there on how to actually do you know for accounting firms how we do it and, and then for uh you know basically companies you know here, here's how here's what you need to do to, to be profitable and stuff so there's a ton of ton of stuff out there on the internet uh if they want to go right to our website it's uh, summitcpa.net it's .net instead of .com. Couldn't afford the .com, so it's right there on the screen. SummitCPA.net, and uh, you should be able to it'll direct you to a lot of different ways. We're in YouTube. If you if you Google my name or Summit on YouTube, you'll see a plethora of definitely educational emails. We're on podcasts. I think we've got four or five podcasts going on at really any point in time uh, to really educate you know the the industry and really help help uh, help help you better run your business. That's great. I love that. Guys, go check out summitcpa.net. Obviously, something that can really help you and really make a difference. Uh, you know, I appreciate so much that you came and shared with us your wisdom. I had no idea that you were the pioneer in the industry. That is amazing and, uh, and so appreciated because that's the stuff that we need, the innovation that's, that's really going to help uh, all of us as entrepreneurs get into that next space. So I appreciate that and appreciate you sharing your journey with us. Before we head out, any last words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with? You know, I think the biggest thing in that that I learned really quick is that if you're an entrepreneur, follow your dreams. Don't let people tell you you can't do something. You know, look for different ways. You know, when we started Summit, 
there, you know, every, everything we did, you know, oh, you'll, you'll fail at that. You'll fail at that. And it's not going to work. You know, no one's going to allow you to automatically take money on your bank account every, every month. That's not going to happen. You know, you know, and, and, you know, stuff that we normally do now, it's like not a big deal. Netflix, shoot Netflix. It's, you, you, you see that that's happened from the beginning. Subscription-based billing model, you know, no, you have to bill by the hour because you're going to lose so much money because people are going to take advantage of you. It's like, no, people don't take advantage of you. <laughs> you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. You just feel free to, I mean, just take that risk, take that leap of faith. You know, the worst thing that happen is it doesn't work. That doesn't mean the end of things. You just try something different, uh, but you'll never know and never learn unless you take that risk. And so I'd say as an entrepreneur, do not be afraid to take a risk and, and just keep continue with perseverance throughout the journey. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey guys, don't forget, keep working on the choreography in your business. That also means with the virtual CFO, don't forget that. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.